0: world of sin washed in the blood of jesus i've been born again hallelujah i'm saved 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 by his wonderful grace i'm so glad that i found out he would bring me out and show me the way World of sin. Washed in the blood of Jesus, I've been born again. Hallelujah! I'm saved, saved, saved by His wonderful grace. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out and show me the way. Like a bird out of prison that's taken its flight like a blind man that god gave back his side like a poor wretched beggar found fortune and fame i'm so glad that i found out he would bring me out through his holy name thank god i am free 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 from this world of sin Washed in the blood of Jesus, I've been born again. Hallelujah, I'm saved, saved, saved by this wonderful grace. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out, show me the way. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out and show me the way.
1: Amen. I uh, every time I hear that song and Josh, uh, brother Josh, gets to sing in that last song, uh, course I, I feel like I should be acting out the song. <laughs> it, and I know it makes me laugh every time I think about it. You know, just every, you know what I mean? Just all those little things he does. You know, the guy walking around like, you know, I I don't know. I just in my mind picture this. I mean, I messed up already today, right? I haven't said one thing right, so I might as well share that with you too. My mind works in weird ways. All right. Very good. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to the message, amen? Saved by the message. First Chronicles chapter 4. First Chronicles chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 9. Of course, we're in our series, Never Settle, and uh, it's our theme for the year as well, as uh, you see on the screens, but I think it's a, a, just a really wonderful theme this year. I'm excited about it. Matter of fact, is it tonight? Will we have the theme song unveiled tonight? Is that what's going on here? oh next week okay next week the theme song will come out we'll get to hear it and uh, i always enjoy those those are great all right, 1 chronicles chapter 4 verse 9 jabez was more honorable than his brother and then his mother called his name jabez saying because i bear him with sorrow and jabez called on the god of israel saying oh that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Now we've been addressing and dealing with this idea, this thought of never settling. And we said that unfortunately it seems that more and more Christians are settling, believers are settling. We said that we have a perfect Savior that's only truly happy with a perfect effort. We can't settle for just doing well. We need to be happy only with doing our best. We can't settle for just making it. We need to only settle when we reach our potential. We can't be content with mediocrity. And we said that it's important that we never settle personally, professionally, and especially spiritually. Well, why do we settle? Well, we said that we get lazy, we get comfortable, we become afraid or insecure And so we began to look at characteristics and qualities in the Bible that certain men and women possessed that enabled them to never settle. And we said that if we could possess those qualities and characteristics, we too are more likely to never settle, that we too can stand in the midst of opposition that we won't settle. We'll instead go forward to reach our full potential to accomplish everything God has for us. We said that we need a heart for God like Jabez. A heart for God like Jabez. He said, and that thine hand might be with me. We understand that Jabez recognized the fact that he wanted more for God. He wanted more for himself. He wanted more for the people of God. He was pursuing a stronger, more fervent relationship with God. If you're going to go, if we're going to go up, I won't go forward without you, God. I need to have you. I must have you. He had a heart for God. That heart for God kept him from settling. But also, we noted the convictions that are necessary and needful. Convictions like the three Hebrew children who, when faced with a burning fiery furnace, said, You know what? We'll not bow. We'll not settle. We noted the confidence, the confidence like David. The confidence that he had to stand before a giant. When all the armies of Israel would flee from the presence of this giant, David said, is there not a cause? Isn't somebody going to do something? He wouldn't settle for fear. He wouldn't settle for running. He wouldn't settle for allowing some big-mouthed giant to blaspheme his God. Or defy the armies of Israel. We noted the courage of Joshua, who, when he was called to fill the shoes of Moses, was ordered and commanded by God to be not only courageous, but very courageous. And indeed, he was courageous. As we see him leading the armies of Israel into the promised land to occupy that land, he never settled. Today, we want to continue noting characteristics or qualities that, if possessed, will keep us from settling as well. As we seek the example of Bible characters and those men and women that lived back in the Bible days, we too can find strength to stand and never settle. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll continue with number five. We've already looked at four, as we've just reviewed. We're going to look at a few more along the way. So let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time together. Bless us now. May you help us, Lord, to be men and women of God, your men and women, that never settle for anything less than everything you have for us. And be glorified in our lives. Help us, Lord, this day. And Lord, if there be any that are without you, that have chosen to settle for a life without Jesus Christ, may they recognize that they needn't settle any longer but that they can know him personally. That he will gladly know them in a personal way. That they too can escape the consequences of sin and find themselves in a place called heaven for eternity with you. We ask for your leadership. We thank you for your love in Christ's name. Amen. Another characteristic or quality that was possessed by characters in the Bible that kept them from settling That caused them to never settle is commitment. Nehemiah had heard of the tragic condition of Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, Nehemiah had heard that the walls had been broken down, that the gates had been burned. Man, his heart was heavy, it was broken for his his city Jerusalem. He wept, he mourned, he fasted, he prayed. He goes on into work the next day or sometime down the line and all of a sudden the king recognizes as his cupbearer seems to be sad. If his king recognized that the cupbearer was sad, but the boss realized that his employee was sad, then that means his employee was normally upbeat. His employee was normally encouraged. His employee was usually smiling. That's a good trait for Christians. So the king recognizes there's something unusual, there's something different about Nehemiah today, and he says, what in the world is going on? That's the Mark O'Donnell version. And he says, man, let me tell you, old king, my city, Jerusalem, my people, the sepulchers where my fathers are buried, the city's been burned, the gates have been burned, it's been wrecked and ruined, my heart's broken. Ultimately, the king sends him on his way to rebuild the walls. And He gives him the authority to get the job done. But the moment he arrives, let me tell you, there were those that were there to oppose him. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that, that there were those that were, were upset. They were angry because there were those that came to help the Israelites, They were upset about it. I don't know about you, but that seems like a mess to me. I mean, you would think that someone would be happy that someone was there to help those Israelites, but that wasn't the case at all. We find that instead, he's going to face a tremendous amount of opposition. The enemy becomes very wroth at some point. Matter of fact, they gather together and they agree to attack Jerusalem. They agree to attack Nehemiah and the people. Nehemiah and the others are so committed to the work of God, so committed to rebuilding the walls, that even amidst the threat of attack, they continue building while wearing their swords on their hips. So in one hand, they're working on the other. They're ready to grab a sword if attacked. They would not quit. They wouldn't give up. They were committed to the task at hand. The wall is going up and things are moving along. Matter of fact, there comes a point where they don't even undress at night, they stay in their clothing for fear of an attack. They're so committed that they say, listen, we can't allow this this enemy to come in and destroy us, to kill us, because then the wall would never be built. So committed that they would not take their clothes off except to clean them. So they fought if necessary. So they strove if necessary. They did whatever it took. They were committed to the work. And the Bible tells us in Nehemiah 6.15 and 16, so the wall was finished in the 20th and 5th day. 52 days. It took them 52 days And the Bible says it came to pass that when our enemies heard thereof and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. Say, what was the outcome of the fact that they never settled? The outcome was that God was glorified. Despite the many obstacles and planned attacks, the wall went up and was completed. Despite the opposition, Nehemiah pressed forward for God. And God used him and the people to do this marvelous and mighty work. They never settled. Although they were severely undermanned. Although they were inadequately trained and prepared for the job, they wouldn't settle for anything less than a job completed and well done. They gave it their very best. They were committed. They were unwavering in their commitment. Anything less, in their eyes, would have been settling. When we never settle, it honors God. And if we hope to never settle, then we're going to have to be committed. If we hope to bring glory and honor to God, then we must be committed. We have to do our best or we're settling. We have to finish the job or we're settling. Nehemiah never settled. Again, we go back to F. B. Meyer, who said, let us be inspired with a holy ambition to get all that God is willing to bestow. Nehemiah wanted for God and his people everything that God would give them, everything that he was willing to bestow, and he never settled. And you and I are going to have to embrace a very high level of commitment if we're going to never settle either. Number six, if we're going to never settle. We're going to need some consistency in our life. Some discipline. We think about Daniel. Daniel had proved himself to be faithful to a fault in the eyes of the other political leaders. They understood that the only way that they were going to do him in was to use his faith against him. I mean, they they realized that. They realized that this was such a man of integrity, of character, that the only way we're going to get him to do something wrong as if it goes contrary to his faith, because he'll not compromise his faith. Isn't that amazing? We could say the same about us at work, us at school, us out in the public domain. These leaders were so convinced that they got the king to sign a petition that forbade praying to any other person but the king himself. So he faced one of the greatest challenges of his life. The question is, would he cave to the pressure or would he remain consistent in prayer? I think it's important to realize that the men that devised this plan knew he would remain faithful. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. I want you to turn there, would you please? Daniel 6, verse 10. Let's see how Daniel responds. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, we read there, now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did a four time. I want you to notice once again, he goes into his house and three times a day, the Bible says that he kneels upon his knees and he opens the window up toward Jerusalem, if you will. The petition's been signed. The order's been given, but Daniel still goes in. And notice something very interesting and something that I think is important. The Bible says that he did this as he did a four time. This was not something he decided to do because someone told him he couldn't. This was something that he had already disciplined himself and committed himself to be consistent in. Again, Daniel did not compromise. He had established some spiritual disciplines in his life and he wouldn't allow the discipline to be interrupted. When we think about being consistent and disciplined in our lives, we can't help but think about self-denial and sacrifice. Because let me tell you, to be disciplined or to be consistent in our life demands a sacrifice. It costs something. And I'm sure that Daniel, when he knelt to pray a number of times, I'm sure that his schedule was packed to the brim. I'm sure he had plenty of other things he could have been doing. But it was even though it would have seemed inconvenient at that point, he still got on his knees and he still prayed three times a day. I'm sure that he knelt down to pray on a number of occasions when he was under the weather, when he didn't feel quite right, when his health wasn't what it ought to be. And I'm talking about he was in the hospital on his back. I'm talking about he had the sniffles. I'm talking about he had a cold. I'm talking about he had COVID. He didn't stop praying. He was a disciplined man. He was consistent in his faith and his walk with God. And he wouldn't settle. I'm sure that Daniel knelt to pray on occasion when others could be heard outside his window laughing and having a good time picking sides for who was going to be on the ball team, and here Daniel was stuck in his room praying like he always did. He could have easily said, you know what, I'm just going to settle for going and playing a ball game. I'm going to settle for just simply taking it easy. I'm going to settle for taking a nap. I'm going to settle for just getting along and getting by. No! He was was disciplined. He was consistent in his life, and therefore he never settled. I'm going to tell you something. There's something about this discipline. There's something about being consistent that teaches us a little bit about self-denial. Because he was so disciplined, he learned self-denial, and instead of caving to comfort, he settled on consistency. Daniel remained steadfast, and he wouldn't settle for nothing less than a consistent and disciplined life. He faces now an ultimatum. One of the greatest decisions of his life, a decision that could cost him his life as a lion's den loomed closer and closer. Fortunately, he had exercised the strictest of disciplines. He had developed good habits. He had remained consistent when it was inconvenient and uncomfortable. He had conditioned himself to never settle. Spiritual discipline will keep us from settling. As we consistently exercise spiritual discipline, we're going to develop the ability again, as we mentioned, to deny self, to crucify the flesh. Matthew 16, 24 through 25, we hear the Lord saying, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Where the ability to deny self enables us to push through when we may be tempted to quit. I mean, he was willing to be eaten by lions rather than to settle. He'd gotten to the place where settling was not an option anymore. There was no inconvenience. There was no sacrifice. There was no hardship that could convince him to settle. Nothing could cause him to settle at this point in his life. He was so consistent, he was so disciplined that that discipline kicked in when opposition raised its ugly head. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Daniel was consistent and disciplined, and he never settled. Not only that, but we noticed the fact that we need to be consistent and committed. But you know, there's another characteristic and quality that I see in Scripture that enabled or seems to be a part of the reason why men and women in the Bible never settled. It's patience. Patience. See our goals and success may be interrupted with an interlude of struggle or difficulty. I don't know what it is about life but it just seems that trouble shows up. Things don't always work the way we'd like them to. And you know what the fact is is that when things don't turn out the way we'd like them to, we are tempted to quit and give up. We're tempted or we're tempted to settle for something less than What we intended to get or achieve. Many have settled because they've become discouraged. They felt that they'd never truly obtain or achieve, so they quit before they arrived. They settle for less than what they set out to accomplish. See, Joseph stands, I believe, as a perfect example of someone whose dreams were delayed and yet he remained patient and he wouldn't settle for anything less than what God wanted for him. See, the fact is is that Joseph, he could have settled for being a good steward in Potiphar's house while serving as a slave in his household. He could have settled for for, for having a bitter heart after being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and ultimately cast into prison. He could have settled for just getting by while rotting away in an Egyptian prison unjustly. He could have settled for giving up after being forgotten by the butler and being forsaken by God, or so it seemed. He could have settled. And can I tell you that in many cases, as believers, we do settle. We have these expectations of God and what he owes us and what we think he, we deserve. And when those things don't come to fruition, when we feel as though God has abandoned us, when we feel like the chips are down, sometimes we just say, whatever, I'll, just whatever, I'm, I'm quitting, I'm done, I settle for this. I'll just accept it the way it is. And so we settle. He could have settled, but he didn't. He could have said, you know, after all these years, I've followed a dream only to be reminded over and over again that I'm forgotten. My brothers threw me in a pit. I ended up in Potiphar's house. I'm now in the pit of a prison. I've been forgotten by the butler. Forget it. It's over. God's dead in my eyes. He could have settled. But he didn't. Steady was patient. In James 1, 4, the Bible says, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If we ever hope to never settle, we're going to have to practice patience in our life. I've often said that when it's all said and done, the Christian life is nothing more or less than a waiting game. Well, I know we have our plans and we have our dreams and we have our goals, and sometimes we go forward without God, even if we're not careful. But the fact is that there are times that God puts a dream in our heart, He puts a vision on our mind. He gives us a look into the future and He says, This is what can be and what I want to be. And the sad part is, is too many times we're impatient. We think of men like Abraham who instead of settling for God's promise settled for Hagar, a servant. We think about Joshua and the people of God at one point who instead of settling for a, a, a land that was free from all occupants that worshipped idols, they made a league with Gib- the Gibeonites without ever once consulting God Because they became impatient. I'm telling you that we live in a world where the devil is always tempting us to settle for something less than what God has for us. To say to us that God, like he did in the garden, there's more than God wants to give you. That there's something that he's not going to allow you to have. The very best he's withholding. And we want it now. And we're impatient. And so we settle. We settle for just a guy instead of the right guy. We settle for a girl instead of the right girl. We settle for so many things because we are impatient. We settle for children that are undisciplined because we're not patient enough to teach and train them the way they should be. We settle for chaos and confusion because we're not... Disciplined enough and waiting for the plan to take effect. And so we cast it out and we say, It just didn't work. Yeah, you didn't work it. We get impatient and so we settle. I see Joseph, he never settled. Boy, we need to be patient. The Bible says in Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I want that house. I want that car. I want that girl. I want that guy. I want this, and I want that, and we won't wait, and it wrecks and ruins us. We settle. Let me tell you, anytime you get ahead of God, you settle. You settle. But man, I, this is how it worked out it has to be God really let me ask you according to our t- quote what a wonderful quote it is and we use it over and over again let us be inspired with a holy ambition to get all that God is willing to bestow well this is good enough for me you know what you just did you settled Patience is so important in the Christian life. Waiting on God until he gives you the green light. People are like, well, I saw a door open. I'm not looking at doors to open. I'm looking for a green light. Well, the circumstances fell into place. I'm not looking for circumstances to fall into place. I'm listening for the voice of God. Remember, there's a God, little g of this world, who controls every aspect of this world. Don't think he can't open doors. Don't think he can't align circumstances. You better make sure you're hearing the voice of God. You better make sure there's a green light from heaven. You better have the peace of God that passes all understanding before you make a move. Or you may, more than likely, settle. Patience. I want to close today with a point that the Lord gave me this morning. I mean, honestly, I, it was not in the message. But it's kind of neat because I got thinking about this. It, it kind of hit me. And I say hit me, it wasn't like the Lord said, You me to put this one in. The river. It wasn't like that. Just, you know, something, boom, just like, bam. Now, now listen, I think moving forward, I believe going forward, we're going to see that a heart for God and this particular characteristic are the two main ones that we need to focus on all the time. Those other ones are important. You need to have courage. You need to have convictions. You've got to have all those things. Those are important. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm telling you, it just seems like kind of a sandwich, like God gave me a sandwich to present. The piece of bread, a heart for God. And the second piece of bread that sandwiches everything together is determination. Yes. Amen. Determination. You know, we met Caleb in Numbers chapter 13. He was just one of 13 spies that were sent into the land to spy the land, to, to, to do a recon, if you will, of the promised land. They had just been, obviously, delivered out of Egypt. They'd crossed over the Red Sea. They knew what manna was, and they'd seen God providing. But now, God said, there's a land that I want for you, a promised land. I've been talking about it from the time I called Abraham out, and I've been talking about it ever since. And now, you're at the precipice, you're now at the very edge, and you're going to go into that promised land. Unfortunately, 11 of the 13 came back and said, boy, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Oh, look at the grapes and look at the fruit. It's such a wonderful place, flowing with milk and honey. But, but there are giants in the land. And we're simply grasshoppers in their sight. All but two of the spies came back with that report. But there... Amidst those 13 were still two who said, we believe that the Bible is God's word. We believe God is able to deliver us. We believe that all the promises of God will stand forever. And Caleb took his place before the people and said, let's go forward. Let's take the land. God has given it to us. Let's claim it by faith. Sadly enough, Like most often, the crowd won. Whether it was at Jesus when they cried, crucify him, or whether it was the people that said, we can't go up there, we'll die, let's just go back to Egypt. The crowd always seems to win in the end, or should I say at the beginning, because 40 years later, they're all dead. Can I tell you who's still alive? Caleb and Joshua. Due to his faithfulness, Moses had promised him a land where into it. I mean, wherever your feet had traveled, Caleb, I'm telling you, because you came back with that report, because you believed in God, because you were faithful, I'm telling you, you're going to inherit all of that. Caleb, now, at that point, I should say, he was 40 years of age. He was just a young man. And now, he's wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And now, he's fought for the last five years, the enemies in Canaan land. And now, here he is, 85 years old. Interestingly enough, he goes up and he begins to talk to Joshua. And he says, now listen, we have occupied the land. We have subdued the enemy. And I'm telling you today, there's still a promise that's been unkept. I'm claiming it. I'm claiming that promise. Man, I'm 85 years old, but I'm going to tell you something I see just as good as I did when I was 40. I'm 85, but I hear just as good as I heard when I was 40. I'm 85 years old, but I'm still as strong and as virile as I've ever been. And I'm claiming it right now. I want that prize. Turn, if you would, to Joshua 14. And notice what he says to Joshua. I don't know for sure, but I got to believe that 45 years earlier, that incident, that situation brought those two men together like Jonathan and David. That somehow there was a bind, a tie that could not be broken. That there was a friendship that began that day if it hadn't already begun. He goes to Joshua, I'm sure, someone he highly respected and probably was good friends with. And in the Bible, the Bible tells us here in Joshua fourteen twelve, he says this, now therefore, give me this mountain, where the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If, be, if so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Again, Caleb had spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, five years engaged in warfare, but he never lost sight of the mountain. He was determined at all costs to call it his own, to plant his feet on top and say, this is home. He was determined. He wouldn't settle for a plush valley or a well-watered plain A mountain was all that would do because that's what God wanted for him. He was determined and he never settled. And if you and I ever hope to never settle, we're going to have to be determined to get everything that God wants for us. Everything. I'm convinced that If there are two characteristics and qualities that truly are essential and absolutely necessary to never settling, it's a heart for God and determination. I will not settle. I will not settle! Most Christians go, I won't settle. Uh, I. I want the best God has for me. Um, That's scary. I'm sorry. I'll sit down. I won't stand for you, God, now. Not now. Look at the enemies there. I have a family to take care of. I have responsibilities. But I'm not going to settle. Oh, oh. (laughs) That's how we are. We're so timid. Caleb says, it's been 45 years, Joshua. God made me a promise and so did Moses and I'm sure you're going to keep it too. But there's a mountain over there and every night I went to bed for 45 years, I have not stopped thinking about that mountain. And I will not die without putting my feet on it and claiming it as home. God's help, I will. What's God put on your heart to do for him or to accomplish for your family or to accomplish in the world we live? I was just talking with my son in law the other day, and we were talking about the need for some godly leadership in our country. I wonder if there's a young person that says, I don't feel called to the ministry, but I'll be honest with you. I could see myself making policies that would honor God in the the public domain. I'd like to get on a school board and determine what curriculum goes into a school. I'd like to take my place as a representative of our city and start trying to demand that we start following some biblical principles instead of throwing it all out the window. And I'm not talking about getting into an office and then turn, turn coat and running from God. I'm not talking about getting in a place where you have some influence and you have to keep that influence so you compromise your faith in Christ. I'm not talking about missing church because now I'm a councilman. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a mountain. We settle for so much today. We settle. Caleb said, I'm determined. How determined are you to never settle? In your marriage, in raising your children, in being a good testimony at work, in living the Christian life. How determined are you? Can I tell you, unless you've got a heart for God, you won't be determined to do anything for God. A sandwich. You need that piece of bread and you need this one. Everything else we talked about is important and you ought to work at having those characteristics and qualities. But I promise you this if you don't have a spirit of determination, you'll quit and you'll give up like that. The moment the opposition comes, the moment the enemy roars, we'll cower. Never settle. Today in the crowd, maybe even online, there are folks that are watching that are settling for a life without Jesus Christ. You think it's as good as it gets. Can I tell you there's nothing better than a relationship with the creator of the universe, with the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for you, shed his precious perfect blood that your sin could be washed away, You're just settling for hell, is what you're settling for. When you could have heaven as your home, Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit living in you, empowering you, and enabling you to be victorious in this life, accomplishing your purpose for being created. And until you get saved, you are not fulfilling your God given purpose. What's the reason for living today? Everybody's trying to find a reason. You won't find it outside of the Word of God. You'll never find it outside of the Word of God. Get saved today. Quit settling. Father, we come to you. We ask you to help us. We desperately need you today. Father, I don't know what you've put on others' hearts. I don't know what you're asking for from them or what you want to do in them or through them. Lord, may we never settle. May we just have a spirit of determination like Caleb had to say I want that mountain. I'm not going to settle for anything less than everything God has for me. Lord, there might be a bel- uh, an unbeliever here, somebody that's never placed their faith in Christ. Oh, they believe there's a God, but they've never personally accepted Christ as their savior and lord. I pray that this morning they would recognize a need to stop settling for a life without him and make a commitment to come to Christ, a decision to receive and accept him into their life as Savior and Lord. There is no better life than the Christian life. Help us, Father, we need you today. Be glorified in this service. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed today.